morning, everybody. Morning. morning. Appreciate everybody being here in this session. I know there's a lot of other things that you could be doing on a Saturday morning, but you've chosen to be here to spend time in Bible study, to spend time in worship, thinking about our relationships with God, and particularly in this session, thinking about how we can better serve others. If you have your Bibles or a phone or an iPad or something like that, I'd love for you to turn with me to James chapter 1. We're going to begin there in just a few minutes. We're going to be surveying a few verses throughout James chapter 1 and James chapter 2. If you'd like to turn there, James chapter 1, and we'll be looking at the first couple chapters there. I'm reminded of a story about a man who didn't really do much. He didn't have a job. He spent most of his time sitting and watching TV, to be honest. Well, one night his wife came in and sat next to him as he was watching the TV and said, Honey, I'm really embarrassed. I'm just really ashamed. What are you talking about? He asked. Why why are you embarrassed? Why are you ashamed? She said, Have you ever thought about how we have everybody do things for us? My mom pays our rent. My dad buys our groceries. My sister takes us everywhere we need to go because we don't have a car. And she was going to lead to the point that maybe we need to get some jobs. Maybe we need to make our own money. Maybe we need to learn to stand on our own two feet. But he interrupted her. Well, you should be ashamed. You should be embarrassed. Because your brother, he doesn't do a thing to help us. There's so many people who live with that kind of mindset, don't they? There are so many people in our world, there are so many people in our culture who live with a mindset that says, it's all about me. Life is all about me. People should serve me. People should meet my needs. There are so many people who live with their hands out, not to give, but to receive. There are so many people who believe and think and live as if the world completely revolves around them. They think people exist in order to serve them, in order to meet their needs. I think about a student who walks into school with an arrogant kind of mentality thinking that their teachers and their classmates and the administration is there just to serve them, just to meet them, to be centered around them. I think about somebody who lives in their household, thinking and living as if every other member in the household has to serve them hand and foot. They're always willing to receive. In fact, they expect to receive, but they're not quite willing to give. I think about those in the workplace, for those who might have a job, that co-worker walks in with the mentality thinking that they deserve special treatment. They deserve to be treated better than everybody else. They deserve to be treated in better ways just because of who they are. I think about Christians within the church. They might be at worship every single Sunday morning, but when responsibilities show up, when there's work that needs to be done, when there are tasks that need to be accomplished, they're nowhere to be found. And I think all of that goes back to this mindset that we illustrated just a few moments ago. It's all about me. Life is all about me. The world revolves around me and everybody just needs to recognize that people exist to serve me. People exist to meet my needs. As Christians, I think that you and I recognize that that's not who we're supposed to be. That's not the mindset. That's not the mentality that we're supposed to have as followers of Jesus. As Christians, we are here and we have our hands extended. But it's not to receive. We have our hands extended to give. 
We recognize that we're here first and foremost to love God with everything that we have. And when we love God, what's the next step? We're going to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. According to Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, I'm going to be focused on God. And when I'm focused on God, instead of being focused on me, I'm going to be focused on others. As Christians, we recognize that we're not here to be served by people. We're here to do actually quite the opposite, aren't we? We are here to serve people. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the first couple chapters of the book of James. The title that we've been assigned, Help Me Serve. Whenever we read throughout the New Testament Scriptures, that's something that we're commanded to do. We're commanded to be servants of each and every person that we meet. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 19 where Paul says, Though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. We need to have that mindset too. Notice that that's a decision that Paul makes. It's a decision that we need to make. That though I'm free from all, I'm going to make myself a servant of each and every person that I meet, each and every person that I interact with. I think about the attitude, the mindset of Jesus in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45, which in many ways serves as the center point of the entire gospel where Jesus says, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. As Christians, if we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we're not here to be served by other people. We are here to serve other people. So help me to do that. Help me to serve. Help me to serve like the Apostle Paul. First and foremost, most importantly, help me to serve like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I believe that James helps us to do that. In James chapter 1 and James chapter 2, we're going to look at nine different ideas over the next few minutes that help us to serve like Jesus and to follow in His footsteps. I love that title because when we, when we admit, help me serve, we're admitting that we need God's help. And when we admit that we need God's help, the only place that we can go to find it is His inspired Word. And so let's consider James 1 and 2 over the next few minutes. Number one, if we're going to better serve other people, then we need to ask God for wisdom. James says in James chapter 1 and verse number 5, if any man lacks wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Knowledge is what I know in my mind. Wisdom is what I do with it. Knowledge is knowing right from wrong, knowing what God has said in His inspired Word. Wisdom is actually applying that knowledge in the decisions that I make and the circumstances that I find myself in. Here's kind of how I like to illustrate it. Knowledge is knowing that the stove is hot. Wisdom is what? Not touching it. Knowledge is knowing that mama's not happy. Something's made her upset. So what's wisdom? Wisdom might be keeping your distance for just a little bit because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. Knowledge is knowing that cheating and lying is wrong. That's not what God desires for us. We know that that's sinful. We know that's something that we shouldn't do. Wisdom is applying that knowledge to say, okay, I'm taking this test or I'm working on this assignment. I'm not going to look at the paper of the person sitting next to me or the person sitting behind me. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's what we do with the knowledge that we have. And so James, I think, meets us where we are in saying that sometimes we lack wisdom. 
we have knowledge. We know what's right and wrong. We know what God desires. We know what God doesn't desire. But sometimes we struggle knowing how to carry that out in a practical way. We struggle applying the knowledge that we have in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So what do we do in verse number 5? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. James says if we ask in faith, if we ask with no doubting, then God is going to give us the wisdom that we need. He's going to give to us generously. He's going to give to us without reproach. God is going to give us the wisdom that we're searching for whenever we take the time to ask Him for it. If we're going to better serve others, I think we need to spend some time in prayer. If we're going to better serve others, then we need to ask God for wisdom. Think about knowledge. We know that service is the right thing to do. We know that it's our responsibility to serve those who we come into contact with on a daily basis. Maybe sometimes we struggle with the wisdom in order to carry that out. We know that we need to serve each and every person that we meet, but each and every person that we meet is different. And they find themselves in different circumstances and they're struggling with different things. How do you serve somebody who's going through the most difficult trial in their life? And then you swing over to the other extreme. How do you serve somebody whose life couldn't be better in the present moment? Think about the people in your life. How do you serve your friends? How do you serve your family members? How do you serve those in your youth group? How do you serve those who you go to church with? How do you serve your teachers? How do you serve your classmates? How do you serve those who you meet out on the street? Those who you interact with at Walmart whenever you're in the same aisle? It takes wisdom to answer those questions. It takes wisdom to decipher those things, serving different people in the different circumstances that they find themselves in. So number one, if we're going to better serve others, then we need to spend time talking to God and we need to ask Him for wisdom. Number two, if we're going to better serve others, I think we need to imitate God's giving. We need to mirror the way that God gives to us in the ways that we give to other people. I love what James says in James chapter 1 and verse 17, that every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Isn't it amazing to think about how God blesses our lives? James says if we have something good in our lives, if we have received some kind of good or perfect gift, that has come down to us from above. That has come down to us from our Father who loves us and cares for us more than we can even imagine. Do you think that has a bearing on how we're supposed to serve others? Why do you think God gives good things to us? Do you think God gives good things to us so that we can have really good lives on our own? So that we can heap up those things for ourselves? So that we can have everything we need and we can have everything that we want? And it really doesn't matter about other people, what they have or what they don't have, because I have everything that I need because God is blessing my life. Do you think it's possible that God gives good things to us so that we can give good things to others? Do you think it's possible that God blesses us so that we can bless others? Do you think that it's possible that God serves us so that we can reach out and serve those who were around on a daily basis? I think if we're going to better serve others, then we need to imitate God's giving. We need to take the blessings that God has given to us and extend those to those who were around on a daily basis. I think that's what service is all about. Taking what God has given to us and sharing that with those who were around 
on a daily basis. Number three, if we're going to better serve others, then we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. As James says in James chapter 1 and verse number 22. Yes, as Christians, we listen to the word of God. We read and we study the word of God. That's what this workshop, that's what this weekend is all about. To spend time specifically in the book of James, thinking about how we can better serve God, how our lives can better conform to what God desires for us in that very practical book. But if that's all that we do, we don't go far enough. According to James chapter 1 and verse 22, we're not just supposed to hear the Word of God. We're not just supposed to listen to it. We're not just supposed to study it. We're supposed to do it. It's supposed to make a difference in our lives. It's supposed to make a difference in our priorities. It's supposed to make a difference in the decisions that we make on a daily basis. If we're going to better serve others, then we need to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Not just thinking about this message, but thinking about every message that you're going to hear this weekend. How are we going to respond to those messages? Are we simply going to listen to them? Or are we going to do them? Are we going to listen to them and allow them to remain on the surface, but then we close our Bibles, we leave the workshop, we go back to our homes, we go back to the places that we live and, and we lose, we forget all of those things that we've studied and, and talked about and listened to from the Word of God? Or are we going to listen to what we're studying in the Word of God, allow it to sink into our hearts, allow it to sink into our minds so that it can take form in our lives? If we are going to better serve others, we need to be doers of the Word. The Word of God tells us to serve other people, to become servants of all, like we saw just a few moments ago. Not to be served, but to serve. Don't just listen to that message, but actually do it. Actually live it out on a daily basis. Number four, if we're going to better serve others, then we need to help those who are helpless. In James chapter 1 and verse 27, he says, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained or to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In the first century world, orphans and widows were some of the most vulnerable people in that society. They oftentimes find themselves in affliction, like James talks about in chapter 1 and verse number 27. They were oftentimes taken advantage of. They oftentimes found themselves in difficult situations that were absolutely beyond their control. They were helpless. They couldn't do anything about the afflictions that they were going through. And so James looks at his original audience and says, that's your responsibility to visit, to care for, to serve orphans and widows in their affliction. I think that he lays down the principle for us that we are to help those who are helpless. If we're going to better serve others, then we need to take that message to heart to help those who are helpless. Oftentimes, I think we preach the message that we are to only help those who help themselves. And sometimes that's the way that we think about God. That's the way that we picture God. God helps those who help themselves. Well, notice that there's, there's no verse reference there. That's something that's not taught in Scripture. In fact, the exact opposite is taught in the Scriptures. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, for while we were still, what? Helpless? While we were without strength at the right time and due time, Christ died 
for the ungodly. God cares for those who are helpless. God helps those who cannot help themselves. He's done that for each one of us if we've made the decision to follow Him and to put Christ on in baptism. So what are we supposed to do? In serving other people, it's our responsibility to help those who are helpless. Now, we're not necessarily talking about those who could help themselves but refuse to. Maybe we need to have different conversations on that idea. But as Christians, it's our responsibility to visit, to care for, and to serve those who are helpless. Those who are caught up in affliction. Those who are struggling. Those who are in need in life. James lays that at our feet as pure and undefiled religion before God the Father. Number five, if we're going to better serve others, according to chapter 2 and verse number 1, we need to refuse to show partiality. The word partiality literally means to receive a person according to their face. When we talk about partiality, we're talking about favoritism. We're talking about prejudice based on external circumstances. We're talking about favoritism that is shown based on the color of a person's skin, based on how much money a person has, based on a person's gender, male or female, based on a person's age. In James chapter 2 and verse 1, James says there's only one thing that we can hold on to as followers of Jesus. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. There are two options here. We can only hold on to one of them. We must choose one and reject the other. James says that we can hold on to partiality and favoritism and prejudice and let go of our faith in Jesus, or we can hold on to our faith in the one whom James calls the Lord of glory, and we can let go of our partiality. We can let go of our favoritism. We can let go of our prejudice. We must choose one and reject the other. If we're going to better serve other people, then we have to refuse to show partiality. As Christians, it shouldn't matter to us what color a person's skin is. As Christians, it shouldn't matter to us how much money a person has. It shouldn't matter how old a person is. Whether we're talking about a male or a female, it's our responsibility to serve all people. It's our responsibility to serve each and every person that we meet. Removing partiality, removing favoritism, removing prejudice based on external circumstances, things that people can't control, and holding on to the faith of our Lord, the faith in our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Number six, if we're going to better serve others, then we need to learn to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. James says in chapter 2 and verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself, then you are doing well. There James quotes Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18. Hundreds of years before James wrote this, God had told His people, instructed His people, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. James calls that the royal law. It's the royal law because of its importance. It's the royal law because of who gave it. The king has given us this law. It's the royal law because of who it's been given to. This law has been given by a king to a kingdom. Jesus calls it the second greatest command, as we mentioned at the beginning of our lesson. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 39, he says the second command is like the first, that you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. James says in chapter 2 and verse 8, if we can do that, if we can love each person that we meet, each person that we interact with, just like we love ourselves, then we are doing well. We're doing what God wants us to do. We're living the kind of lives 
that God wants us to live. I think if we're going to better serve those who we're around on a daily basis, we need to learn to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to fulfill this royal law, to fulfill what Jesus identifies as the second greatest command. If you're thinking about serving somebody, try putting yourself in that person's shoes. Try putting yourself in that person's situation. Put yourself in that person's circumstances. If you were in that person's shoes, how would you want to be served? If you were in that person's situation or circumstances, how would you want somebody to love you? After you spend some time thinking and reflecting on that, the answer that you come up with is the way that you need to serve that person. How you would want to be loved, how you would want to be served in that particular circumstance is a good place to start in reaching out to the people who are around you. Number seven, if we're going to better serve other people, according to chapter 2 and verse 12, we need to live in view of the judgment. James says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the perfect law of liberty. It's sobering, isn't it? One day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. One day we're all going to be judged by Him based on what we find in the law of liberty, based on what we find in the pages of God's Word. James says that we need to live our lives in view of that. We need to speak and we need to act. We need to make decisions knowing that one day we're going to be judged by Jesus. Knowing that we're going to stand before His judgment seat and we're going to be judged based on the Word that He has given to us. Consider a question for just a moment. How is Jesus going to look upon us on the judgment day if we refuse to serve people? I believe that Jesus speaks to that in what's oftentimes called the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. You remember how Jesus presents that parable? He says that one day, He pictures the judgment day in Matthew 25 when He sits down on His glorious throne and all nations are gathered before Him. What's He going to do? He's going to separate them one from another just like a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. The sheep he's going to place on his right hand. The goats he's going to place on his left hand. He's going to look at the sheep who are on his right hand and say to them, come. Listen how beautiful these words are. Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What is he telling them? Come into this eternal reward. Step into heaven. Come spend an eternity with me. Come into this kingdom that has been prepared for you. It has your name on it. Why were they able to enter into that kingdom? It's because they serve people. Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. And they're going to look at Jesus saying, when did we see you in those circumstances? When did we see you hungry or, or thirsty? When did we see you a stranger? When did we see you naked or sick or in prison and serve you in these ways? What's Jesus going to say to them? Truly I say to you in that you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. What about those on the left hand? He's going to say in contrast to what He said to those on the right hand, Depart from me, you curse, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He's telling them, you're not able to enter into the kingdom of God. Instead, you're being cast into the eternal fires of hell. The fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Why were they being cast into the eternal fire? 
Because they didn't serve people. Jesus says, I was hungry and you didn't give me food. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. Stranger, you did not take me in. I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not come to me. You did not visit me. And they're going to look at Jesus and ask the same question. When did we see you in those circumstances? And we didn't minister to you. We didn't serve you. Jesus is going to say, when you didn't do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells us that our eternity is going to be based on our willingness to serve others because when we serve others, what do we really do? We're serving Jesus. Whenever we serve others, we're serving our Lord. Whenever we serve others, we're serving the King of Kings. And when we refuse to serve others, we're refusing to serve Jesus. And so James in chapter 2 and verse number 12 tells us that if we're going to better serve others, if we need help in this area, we need to set our minds on the judgment day and act and live appropriately. Number 8, in chapter 2 and verse number 13, in the very next verse, James says if we're going to better serve others, then we need to show mercy. Mercy is having compassion on people. Mercy is showing pity on people. Whenever you see people in difficulty, whenever you see people hurting or struggling or in need, when you show mercy, you're going to be moved. When you see people hurting, it's going to cause you to hurt. So what does James say about that in chapter 2 and verse 13? He says that judgment is going to be shown without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we refuse to show mercy to those who are hurting and struggling, James says that God's going to refuse to show mercy to us. But if we do show mercy and have compassion on those who are hurting and we do meet their needs, we do live our lives in service to them, then God's going to show mercy to us. A beautiful statement that mercy will triumph over judgment. In order to better serve others, we need to learn to show mercy. When you see people hurting, what kind of feelings do you have? Whenever you see people struggling or in need, what kind of thoughts do you have? Oh, well, they deserve that. At least I'm not going through it. It could be worse. I could be the one who's struggling instead of them. Whenever we see people hurting, are we moved with compassion like Jesus oftentimes was in His public ministry? When we see people hurting, when we see people struggling in life, does it move us? Does it hurt us? Do we feel mercy for those people? And it doesn't just stop there, does it? It doesn't just stop with mercy. When you go to the the parable of the Good Samaritan, remember the story that Jesus tells in Luke 10 about how there was a man who was beaten and left half dead on the side of the road. The priest and the Levite walked right by and left him laying there suffering, but the Samaritan stopped. What, What was the difference between the Samaritan and the priest and Levite? The Samaritan showed mercy. And because He showed mercy, because He had compassion in that text, it led Him to meet the needs of the person who was suffering. We need to do the same thing. To show mercy, to have compassion on people, and to allow that to motivate us into service. And then finally, number nine, if we're going to better serve people in our lives, then we need to show our faith by our works. That's what the last part of James chapter 2, verse 14 all the way to 26, that's what that passage is dedicated to, a conversation about the relationship between faith and works. Okay, I believe in God. I'm trusting in God. I'm placing my faith in God. James asked the question, what are you going to do about it? 
How's that going to change the way that you live? How is that going to change the kind of decisions that you make on a daily basis? He says that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is demonic. Faith without works is worthless. I love the challenge that he offers in verse 18. Some are going to struggle with this. Some are going to try to separate faith and works. You have faith and I'll have works. James says, show me your faith without your works. Is that possible? Show me how much you believe in God without doing anything about it. It's not possible, is it? It's not something that can be done. James says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. I'm going to show you how much I trust in the Lord. I'm going to show you the faith that I place in the Lord. I'm going to show you the belief that I have in Him on the inside by the things that I do on the outside. I will show my faith by my works. I believe that's a, a good way that we could summarize this entire message. If we want to better serve other people, then we need to show our faith by our works. Do you want people around you to know what you're all about as a Christian? Do you want people around you, the people that you interact with on a daily basis, do you want them to be able to see the faith that you place in Jesus? The trust that you're placing in Him? Not so that you can be elevated. Not, not, not so that people will look at you as a, as a righteous person. But so that they can place their faith and trust in Jesus as well. There's not a better way to do that than by serving people. There's not a better way to show the faith that you place in Jesus, the trust that you place in Jesus, than by having a willingness to serve every single person that you meet on a daily basis, to become a slave of all, not to be served, but to serve, following in the footsteps of Jesus. And so we look at this topic from James 1 and 2. Perhaps there are other ideas that we can talk about here but I think that these nine are particularly applicable in helping us to serve, helping us to live out the life and the heart of Jesus in the decisions that we make on a daily basis. The one who came to serve people. If we're going to better serve others, then we need to ask God for wisdom. James offers us help here. We need to imitate God's giving, be doers of the Word. We need to help the helpless, refuse to show partiality, love our neighbors as we love ourselves, live in view of the judgment, show mercy to people, have compassion on people, and show our faith by our works. I believe that if we can do those nine things, if we can invite those nine things into our lives, we will receive the help that we need in serving those who we are around. Maybe you take a look at your life and you recognize this isn't what I've been about. Maybe you take a look at your life and recognize my life's been all about me. My life has been all about what I want. My life has been completely focused on selfishness. James helps us to change. God, through His Word, helps us to change, to become more like Jesus, to follow in His footsteps, to follow His perfect example of service. Each and every one of us can make the decision to become a servant. And I believe that decision starts today. Amen. I'm reminded of what happened last week in our community. I live in Graves County, just about two and a half hours west of here in Mayfield. There was an eighth grader just this past week in Graves County Middle School who made the decision to take his own life. I can't help but think about the question as I was working on this lesson, as I was putting these thoughts together, I couldn't help but think, I wonder if things could have been different if a Christian would have reached out to serve him. I wonder if the outcome would have been different. I wonder if things could have changed for the positive 
I wonder if this terrible event could have been avoided if a member of the Lord's church, perhaps one of his classmates, would have reached out to him to serve him with the heart and with the love of Jesus. Help me serve. We need God's help in this. And when we get God's help in this, when we receive God's help in this, we're able to make a tremendous difference in the world around us. Can we take a second and pray together? Father, thank You so much for this opportunity to be together this weekend in the Equip workshop. Thank You for the foresight and the planning of those who have put this together. Thank You for uh, the different classes going on right now, the ones that have gone on, the ones that will continue to go on throughout the weekend. We thank You for the truths from Your Word that are being communicated and that You'll help us to take those things and apply them to our lives. We thank You for the topic of service. We thank You for the perfect example of Jesus in service. And we're thankful that You help us to be better servants among many other things whenever we study in the first couple chapters of James. We pray that You'll help us to invite these Scriptures into our lives. Help us to serve people on a daily basis. Help us to be less about us and more about You. Less about us and more about others. Help us to extend our hands, not to receive, but to give. Thank you for each person in this room. I pray that you'll bless them and be with them. Be with us as we travel and we all go back to our homes a little bit later. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.